Murderverse Genius Episode 82, Unexpectedly Wholesome Adult Content, Fortnightly. In this episode, Don and Kathleen Mercury talk about things like the Physical 100, The Last of Us, and how to build a sex room. Hey, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obg. Everything that comes in from there goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, which we appreciate. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of the Inverse Genius Fortnightly. I'm Donald Dennis, and you can still find me wandering the wilds of the internet as Walsfio. Uh, today, it's a little bit more of a, an intimate gathering. It is just myself and one of my favorite long-lost podcasting partners here, uh, Kathleen Mercury. Hello, the prodigal... I was going to say Podcaster. prodigal... Yeah, his daughter's weird. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had a daughter as cool as you, I'd be okay with that. Um, Aww, I, I feel more like you're like a niece, but, you know, daughter's all right, too. So, <laughs> Well, in either case, uh, we'll say friends. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Yep, yep. Yeah, totally cool. No, you are one of my favorite people, too. And um, We're bringing out was- the big lies in this episode, folks. Come on. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. su- I'm super glad that we get a chance just to catch up and talk yes. and – Talk about all the things we've been watching in our little corners of the world. And the things that we've been doing. Yes. Mm. So speaking of, of talking about things, mm. uh, is there anything that you're not going to talk about as your topic that you're just sort of want to throw out there as a real quick, aha, people don't miss this. Well, I will say that I'm in Bucharest, Romania, and mm. I just went to AirCon in uh in harrogate england and i got to see some really great uh game friends there um but the other thing it's a really great gaming convention so shout out to them they did a great job putting together a really nicely run show the people were lovely and i had a great time so shout out to aircon that's pretty cool so those aren't exactly like next door neighbors uh how do you But, of course, you've traveled all over the U.S., which is all of that is sort of encompassed in that same amount of square mileage. How do you find traveling over there? The biggest issue right now is cost. And I'm in Bucharest, and it's a national capital. But it's not a first-tier city. It's not a major hub. So if I'm Mm. going to travel anywhere, it's going to be a connection so of course that takes time because you know how many flights go in and out of Bucharest from that location. So those are just logistical things um, that are either solved with time, money, or a combination of both. So when right. I do fly somewhere direct, it's like, woo, look at me. <laughs> you know? That's magic. Yeah. Uh, you know, because on the way back from Aircon and Harrogate is in the, like middle England. I had to take an Uber about 45 minutes to get to Leeds. I took the train from Leeds down into London where I had a switch at King's Cross slash St. Pancras to take a half an hour long train to get to Luton. But once I got to Luton, I did have a direct flight going back to Bucharest. But especially for people who are, bless you, in, um, in England, you know, to drive half an hour is madness, right? So when I'm doing right. all of this just so I can go to this game, can get invention and come back. They're like, Oh, really? It's like, that's how much I'd like to play board games. Yes, it is. <laughs> nice. which, which might explain part of your impending migration uh, yes. back to board game areas. So yes, yes. Very excited about that too. Well, cool. Um, 
I want to uh, to look back real quick at some of the stuff that we've talked about before. And so uh, Eric has brought up Stargirl, and I just finished season one of Stargirl, and I think we got an episode or two into season two. And so I have to say, it's a very endearing DC superhero show. It does feel a bit like sort of a high school production, mm. uh, but the characters are kind of nice. It's low stakes compared to uh, so much else that's going on. And there is a real big, wait a minute. Are we the heroes, the villains after all? Because I agree that everything that those villains are saying moment that, uh, you know, until the other shoe drops, you're like, oh my, okay. I see what the problem is here. But so they're playing with some things. It's neat. So check out Star Girl if you're at all interested. Just once again, don't expect, you know, the same quality of production that you've been getting on some of the Marvel TV shows. That doesn't mean they're bad. It just it's a different style of production. So I, I like it quite a bit. Uh, and my wife has said, don't watch this without me. That's how good it is. Uh, because we have several tiers of shows. One is please watch when I'm out of the house. <laughs> One is you can watch when I'm around. I don't care. And then don't watch without me. So that, that's the tier that this hit. So <laughs> uh, the other thing is, then this is a little more uh, relevance to, to Kathleen here is that we uh, gave up on watching the great British bake off professionals or whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, because it was not as charming and as sort of endearing once again to as, as the previous as the big tent version of the great British bake off or baking show. Oh, I would agree, especially on the Great British Baking Show. There's a people with a lot of knowledge and skills, but they just don't have that comprehensive knowledge and skill set that professional bakers do. Plus, it seems like the professional bakers, they get a lot more prep time bef before right. a lot of the different challenges. So you're basically seeing how perfect can you be within the allotted time, whereas for the Great the regular version, it's like, can you get somewhere close to what this is supposed to be? So for the amateur version, we're almost judging them on how good they are. And mm -hmm. for the professional version, it's how not good are they? How you bad know, how, did you screw up? Yes. How bad did you screw up? And so that is, I think, a huge shift in the tone from the two shows. I was actually very excited. One of the reasons why I kept watching it was one of the couples on there, they're adorable. They're, they've been together 20 years and they're so in love. Everyone referred to them as the lovebirds because they were just <laughs> so incredibly sweet. And they're Romanian. So especially ah. being, an, yeah, being an expat here, I was definitely rooting hard for them. Um and so when they were making some of their, you know, oh, this is a dish back in Romania. I'm like, I know what that is. No, that's super <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, also there's an actual prize for that one as opposed to, hey, you have bracking rights in this crystal dish. What do you they know. get? Um, I don't know. I thought there was actual money for the winners. Oh, okay. Or maybe yeah. I'm thinking about, oh, we also tried watching the uh, America's Test Kitchen one. And that's kind of neat. But there are so many commercials in it, I hate it. Mm, um, mm. You know, uh, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, you watched it all the way through, and and the whole premise of the show is there's more than one heat because you can tell they were sort of filming under. Well, we don't want to take all of the chefs in the world away from their hotels or whatever they're working from, mm -hmm. and also maybe COVID. It feels kind of like there's some COVID restrictions, and so at some point there was a merging of two packs of cooks, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, did it get? Did it get more familiar then? Did it feel 
you know, like, oh, we know these people, we like these people, because that was one of the great things about the Great British Baking Show, is you always sort of feel like by the time they get voted off, you know something about them. I mean, not really. And the other thing, too, with the emphasis on the professional level, so often when it came to their flavors on the amateur level, they might be like, this is raspberry and and thyme, and I'm pretty sure those two things work together. (laughs) Whereas on the professional version, you've got layers and layers and layers of all these different things. And one of the difficulties I think in any cooking show is can you really communicate what this tastes like to the audience? And the better cooking shows like Top Chef, I think they do a good job of communicating that. And with this one, when there are so many things going on, it's almost like that's when the two judges were getting a little bit more of a performative in terms of their responses, because if they can't adequately express, what does this actually taste like? You know, then it becomes like, it was a symphony of flavors on my tongue and I am dancing a waltz. You're like, okay, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. I dislike (laughs) the male. I really dislike the male judge for the professional version. Yeah, if you want to, if people want to watch someone who is super French, then watch that because you know he was super French. Um, right. Oh, what is this? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, oh, we're gonna get letters, but all right, yeah, it's a jo- it's a joke. Well, I mean, write a letter saying Kathleen does bad French accents, and I will write back. It's the best say, bad French accent I've heard in quite a while. So, oh no, well, that's one thing about working at international schools. One of my great friends here is French, and anytime ah. I find any TikTok or anything of people making fun of French accents, I'm like, send, send, send. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yep, so yep, it's, yep. yeah. And then she just, she's like, you're so silly. And see, look, there it is. There it is. There that's, it is again. That's, that's delightful. And that's also uh, not what she sounds like. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't, there's not a whole lot that I've been sort of going back on. I have been playing around with the Jazzy mm-hmm. sketchy, uh, professional sketch pack. Uh, mm-hmm. if I get anything worthwhile, I'll show that, but I think we should just jump right into some of the things that we want to talk, talk about. Oh, uh, yes. And what, why don't you go first? One of the many 100 things that we're going to talk about, so to, so to speak, uh, dive in. Well, so I watched the show Physical 100 without mm-hmm. really knowing much about it. Now, I had watched another Korean game show sort of on a fl- on a you know whim called Run for the Money. And it's a real-time three-and-a-half, three-hour-long competition, so they break it into episodes – where you've got people trying to basically hide from other people called hunters. If they get caught, they're out of the game. If someone manages to last the whole time, they get a lot of money. And I thought it was interesting. It's just a different sort of feel to it. And so when I saw Physical 100, I was like, ah, I mean, I used to work out a lot with COVID. I I bake a lot, you know, so, but I can still appreciate (laughs) other people who do good things for themselves. And so I started watching it and I was just, by the end of the first episode, totally hooked because you've got 100 different athletes of all different types. Now, some people are just more like CrossFitters, you know, TikTokers. You've got other people who were Olympians, people who work in mountain rescue, military people. So all of so many people, one dude was a car salesman, but he was like a Korean strongman. So the dude was massive. And so you have all of these people there to, to compete, to be the the most fit, to be who can make it to number one. So a last man standing uh, type of competition, but in every single challenge, and they varied from individual one-on-one group challenges 
in all of the challenges, there's always a mental component with it in addition to a physical component. One of the very first things they had everybody do was to basically hold on to a bar above a giant pool of water and the last person to drop in got the advantage. So you've got people trying to hang on, but then you've also got people saying, I'm not going to waste all my energy on this. I don't know that I'm going to be the last person standing. I've got a pretty good chance of not. I'm going to drop in. You know, so everything, there's that that uh, mental component. And then when it came to all of the other different challenges, you, there's you, they, they had choices in terms of what they were doing. Who were they going to challenge? But also, were you going to challenge them in this particular arena or that particular mm. arena with completely different setups? And so there was always that component. But the big selling feature in all of this, which made it so unbelievably pleasant to watch, was the Korean manners in terms of how they talk to each other, how they treat each other, so incredibly respectful when mm. when people were fighting, um, you know, or, you know, competing in a, in some sort of competition, the audience, the, the, well, the other athletes are watching. They're yelling things like "Give us a good show!" And and even when they're when people were challenging each other, it was like, "Let us give them a good match." It would be an honor to take you on. Whereas. You know, bless if this was a little bit more murk and be like, I've got a river head up, you know. And so to have that level of respect that just pervaded the whole thing was so cool. And so one of the competitors, um, he's uh, an MMA fighter who's 47 years old. And he was on that show because he's, you know, he's like, I want to show them that I can still do it. And so when he was challenged by another MMA fighter, a much younger MMA fighter, um, you know, the younger guy went up to him and said, I will never get the chance to fight you. It would be an honor for you to accept my challenge. You know, you're just like, like almost crying. This is so wholesome, you know? Nice. And, and then when they actually had their match, um, the younger guy asked the older guy, because I will never get this opportunity again, can we please suspend the rules that were given to us for this? And can we please use MMA, MMA rules? And the other guy was like, yes, I respect that, you know. And then they went to town. And then after when the whole thing's over, you know, they're shaking hands, they're hugging, they're supporting each other, you know. So there's this, like, really lovely, wholesome part, but it's also super intense competition. There's one part where they had to move a 1,500-ton, and that might be kilograms, boat. Like, ridiculous, mm -hmm. like, challenges that I can't even, even the ones that look deceptively simple, you're like, this is a lot. But the but the one last fun thing I'll say about it was when people were, like, the spiciest it ever got in terms of, like, kind of not even, like, trash talking each other because, oh, my gosh, when one guy um, challenged another and they're standing there face to face and one guy says, you look like you got your physique by eating a lot of chicken breasts. And the other guy is like, hmm. And then he looked at him and said, I'm going to send you home to eat chicken breast. And everybody's like, oh! <laughs> oh. oh. I, was, I was like, whoa, settle down there, you know? So um, it's, I think, even for people who are not necessarily into physical fitness as a hobby, you know, in terms of this level of intensity, it was every single person that I've gotten to watch that show has been like, oh my God, I am obsessed because there's also 
some amazing women on that show that really oh. hold their own too. Yes. Yes. So um, my favorite, she's a, a wrestler. She's a wrestler in the national team. Uh, John, let's say Jang Yoon Sil. And I am sure that is not how she pronounces it, but oh my gosh, like amazing, amazing, amazing to watch. So physical 100. All right. So I got questions. Yes. You, you've got to expect this. All right. Uh-huh. So the first is, uh, I assume it's dubbed and not all in, in English. You have choices in life, and I watched it in Korean with subtitles, which meant you actually okay. had to watch it, you know, but I wanted to really get the full experience. But absolutely, it's dubbed. Mm. And my friend said the dubbing is kind of hilarious in and of itself. So if you want that, it's, it's, uh, she said it was in, like the dubs were fun. So you can tell, though, then by their tone that they're doing it with respect. And it's not just the translator decided we've got to, we've got to, punch this up a little bit and make it feel respected. Oh, 100%, 100%. Okay. Is it yeah. all at all related to, because there's a, a Dance 102. Uh, are these, is this a series of shows that are happening or are they unrelated or do we know? I am unfamiliar with it, so okay. I could not speak to that. And I assume it's 100 people being whittled down to the best. Is that is that what's going on? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But the, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the physical prowess on some of these people you know um there was this one challenge where i mean i don't want to give too many spoilers but there was one point where they're stacking mats to see who can go from a standing jump and jump on top of the mats and one person was able to stand there and just jumped up on mats that came to the top of his shoulders hmm well right that wouldn't happen if i were on the show (laughs) Maybe falling off the other way. I would do a good job with that. I could totally fall off something shoulder. Maybe, maybe it'd be like top 100 nappers. That would be, I could do that one. <laughs> well, and at one point they uh, take them all into this, I guess like the sort of like the resting room where they could relax. And there's like this wall of like, of, you know, um, whatever, soy protein, whey protein, you know, protein powder. And they're like, oh, <laughs> wow. You know, I'm like, where's 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 the martinis, my friend? Where's my type of sustenance? But yeah, so how much off off challenge time is included in it that you sort of get to see backstory? Not much. I mean, they do little interviews with people. Oh, one of the things with the show is when everyone came in, they had to find their torso because they had made a cast of everyone's <laughs> torso. And so when people get eliminated from the show, they have to take a mallet and smash their torso. Oh, you've got to destroy your own torso. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. See, it's, if it were American, you'd have to destroy the torso of the person you just killed, right? Or knocked right. out. It's like, exactly. Kill this exactly. person. Well, and, and so then, especially when they would interview people talking about that. But even so, I mean, you had people who were incredibly disappointed and all that, but – you know, again, it was a very overwhelming. I mean, people were very disappointed. There were people who were frustrated at, you know, but, you know, but people like, I would hope that I get this opportunity again. And they would talk about like how much fun this was, even when they just got eliminated. The one thing that the show did is when I first discovered it, it was only starting to be rolled out and they were doing two episodes a week and each episode, you know, somewhere around an hour and a half. They're not short. Mm. Which is probably good because I probably would have just watched the whole thing in in one night, but right. um, <laughs> been up till like you know six in the morning. Um, but the 
they they do edit the episodes, and this is not necessarily uncommon. Where it it always ended on a cliffhanger. So then, literally, I I would every day I would think one more day until I could watch this. One more day I could watch this, and I'd like sprint home and be on the couch. Like, okay, give me physical one hundred uh, because they because they did a, they do a really good job. I think with the pacing of the show, the storytelling, uh, all the different challenges, they do a really good job. Well, that's that's pretty exciting. I may have to give it a chance. I I already had the scroll on Netflix there. Is it on Netflix where you are? Yes. Yes. It's on Netflix. I was going through the scroll on Netflix and I had it on that and Connie's like, no, let's not watch that. So it Mm -hmm. sounds like one that I'm going to have to have on. Sometimes I I stealth, I cheat. It's like, Mm -hmm. I know she's about to get home from work. I'm going to put on this show that I think she, that she refuses to watch, but I think she'll like. And then when she comes in, she's like, oh, you can finish this episode. And then sometimes she likes it. Like well, with the anime Food Wars, but sometimes she's like uh, Letterkenny. She's like, you never watch that when I'm around. You know? <laughs> right, right. Letter, <laughs> well, Letterkenny is its own particular. That's a sharp edge, you know. This is yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. there is, there is a. It's almost wholesome. I tell you, it's very respectful, and that's one of the things where you are, you feel like not only am I rooting for these people, but the others are rooting for them as well. That's cool. All right. Yeah. Well, I I will have to check that out. That is mm-hmm. a physical 100. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. Excellent. All right. So I'm going to talk about something I mentioned when it first started, and I thought we were going to get someone on the show eventually who also had watched and loved this show, and we could mm-hmm. go on about it forever. But there's no one in the inverse genius cadre of people who is watching The Last of Us. Mm. which is bringing me much sadness. So I'm going to talk about it, hopefully with as much joy and excitement as you have brought to the, uh, to the physical <laughs> 100 discussion. Um, so uh, let's talk. Basically it's, it's a TV show on HBO. It's a uh, adaption of a video game and people are generally all of one camp. They're like, Oh, I hope this doesn't suck or it's going to suck when it comes mm-hmm. to an adaption. Right. Um, HBO did a great job with Game of Thrones for a few seasons and they, uh, you know, (laughs) have, have, and they did an okay. I mean, it was never as bad as people said it was, um, Mm -hmm. but it, it, when it falls so high, far from where it started or where it was for a while, then you go, oh, okay. Um, But Last of Us is a game I never played. I do not even really care that much for zombie stuff. Uh, My wife conned me into watching far too many seasons of the walking dead uh, until I said, Hey, look, here's this, here's what the next season's going to be. And here's, who's going to betray who. And here's, what's going to happen. And she's like, okay, fine. You don't have to watch this with me. Hmm. Um, and so uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of the genre. It's not my love. And, and I think that if you're doing the dynamics, right, it can be interesting because it's not about the monsters. It's about the, the monsters are a setting for what's going on. And so well, I have a quick, quick, quick question. Yes. So when it comes to The Last of Us, and I guess I can hold my questions until the end, which no, would be- No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. For The Last of Us versus The Walking Dead. Yes. What would you say is the big core difference between the zombie setting, the, apo- the apocalyptic setting? Okay. Well, yeah, there's a, a couple of core differences. Uh, the first mm-hmm. of which in the setting is people kind of know why it happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there also is a network of known resistance to the uh, infection. In this case, it's a, a well, it's effectively a fungal infection of the cordyceps, 
uh, the uh, mind controlling uh, fungus mm-hmm. or I, I guess technically it's not even a fungus, but they call it a fungus on the show. So that's, that's, that's what we're going to go with. I am not a fungal expert. I'm not pretending to be an expert. Um, <laughs> I did, however, uh, you know, order mushroom pizza uh, to eat the night of this first episode, just because let's see what <laughs> Connie does. But um, so, and the other, the other thing is that setting wise is it's 20 years after the show or after the things happen. So it's, the society has sort of settled into some patterns. Uh, there are uh, some lore that's built up that people share. Nobody goes, wait, what is this zombie thing or, or what's going on? Um, but storytelling wise, it always feels like the walking dead is trying to milk a story for as long as possible. They get to the end of that arc. They basically restart the arc with other set dressing and, and that kind of thing. But with the last of us, it felt like they had a story of a few characters that they are trying to get through. They've got these themes that they're going to hit on and, and they're going to play it, it, it hard into that. And also um, they're only going to show you the monsters or have the monsters be a part of the story when they're necessary to the story, mm-hmm. which, which is weird. So like the last two or three episodes, the presence of the zombies is minimal. Yeah. That's not what it's about because this is about people and it, they, they hit so many themes. So the first episode is everything's going to hell. You get to see it all going, going poorly, which if you watch the original walking dead series, you don't get to see it going wrong. You have to see the sheriff waking up in the hospital, doing the dumbest stuff possible and still surviving. And by that point, other people, everybody knows it's a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to deal with that immediate resolution of, Oh my gosh, what's going on? Right. Um, and I did, I enjoyed big chunks of walking dead. So those of you who love it, it write me and tell me where I'm wrong. I guess that's fine. I don't care. Um, and, and in this one though, the first three episodes of, of the series feel like an intense, complete story, like short movies. Like this is the thing you have the first episode, then you jump 20 years, you get another episode and then you pull out and something else is going to happen. They're different kinds of stories and they're playing with all the things. Now, uh, people have complained like, oh my gosh, there's not as much fighting or violence in this game well, or in the in this show as there is in the, in the video game. Well, video games are a different kind of activity than watching a show. Uh, some of the fights in the video game might be filler material. Some of them might be skill tests that you're trying to do. Some of them um, are just to... <sighs> raise the emotional stakes. I don't know why all they put each, each individual type of combat in the video game. Cause I haven't played it. Um, but in the TV show, they are really sort of, they've whittled off all that extra stuff. And so you don't have to die 500 times as Joel to get past the first zombie that you encounter, because mm-hmm. I guarantee you if I was playing the last of us, I would spend more time dying and restarting than I would play in the game. Right. That's, like that's the way I play survival games. Right. <laughs> Um, so the actors are amazing. They fill the characters. They fill the roles. I was like Bella Ramsey. She was great in game of Thrones. I don't exactly see how she's going to be playing this 14 year old kid. Cause she's like 19 or something. She did a great job. She, she fit it. There's, um, a couple of times you go, okay, maybe she seems a little old for this particular bit, but most of it is yes. Spot on with the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the character well, Joel, I mean, I mean, who I mean, as a middle school teacher, you know, I hang out with yes. eighth graders all the time, fourteen year olds, and uh-huh. 
in one room, you know, you can have somebody that's like, my gosh, it's like you're still 12 years old, all the way up to kids who are fully operational Death Star. So that's not surprising <laughs> that you yes, might see yes, that yes. range. I mean, some of it can right. be obvious, just like her as an actor, but oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and it's phenomenal. Um, there's mm-hmm. a big, one of the big episodes that doesn't have them in it at all. I'm not going to go into too many spoilers, folks. Um, we'll get to the end. Of, there's one big conversation I think we sort of need to have. But um, there's one episode that Joel and Ellie are barely in it that is one of the best episodes of television I may have ever seen. Um, is this the one with it, Ron Swanson? It is the one with Ron Swanson in it. Who, yes. the second I saw saw him and what he was doing, I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be dumb because of what I'd seen him in previously, right? And how I'd seen him mm-hmm. act. And you see that first smile on his face when he's doing a thing. But then he settles into his activities as his character. And you're like, okay, we are learning how other people who are not Joel and not Ellie and not Joel's girlfriend, Tess, I think her name is, yes, um, deal with this apocalypse. We're seeing how someone who has not been part of the bigger civilization is. De- it was amazing. And it was incredibly touching. And the ending of it just, um, there might have been tears in our living room. I'm not going not gonna to say this for sure or not, but there might have been crying. Oh, so. I, I mean, just seeing how Facebook exploded. If you weren't crying, you are an immovable block of sand, my friend. Yes, it's it's it, it was great. Um, there, uh, so in the video game, it's broken up into seasons, and I don't know exactly how that goes, but the different parts of the show are sort of yeah, the spring, summer, winter, fall, though obviously not in that order if you're doing it right. Um, and so there are some episodes where it's, oh, we are now covering this part of what it's going to be like in the after effect or how it is. But the overall show is really sort of about dealing with, of course, the trauma of this big event, the effects of love and how love can be both amazingly powerful, but it can also cause you to do bad things. Hmm. All right. Whether you're taking care of the people that you love or the people that you love have been taken away from you and now you are a broken person and and stuff like that. Do not come away from this thinking that Joel, the main character, is a paladin. He is not a pure hero in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think some of his final decisions are like, I understand the kind of broken you are, why you are doing these things but this is not a good choice that you have made. You have not done the wholesome choice or you have not done what's good for humanity or that kind of thing. So anyway, well, I want, well, I want to one add that Nick Offerman is the name of the human who plays Ron yes. Swanson. So when Ron, I said Ron Swanson, yes. that was a joke. I do know his name. Second, yes. when you're watching this, especially considering that, you know, zombies, all that, you know, have been done a lot in, in uh, modern pop culture. Did you feel like they were taking risks when it came to the types of stories that they were telling and the type, and, cause you just started alluding to that. Like he's n- not perfect. He made some choices that you found problematic. Do you feel like overall, when it comes to the writing of the show that you were ever surprised by certain directions that they were taking the show or different characters? Well, because I hadn't, played the video game and I had been listening to a couple of other podcasts. 
I had sort of heard how Joel had a dark history or whatever, but there were some reveals where you go, oh, I didn't realize it was that bad or that big mm-hmm. of a deal. Um, but it's also sort of like if you watch Breaking Bad where you go, all right, you see where Walter White started and you see where he ended up and you go, well, obviously happened, stuff happened, right? But most of the decisions that Walter White makes, you can disagree with all of them a little bit, mm-hmm. but you go, it's kind of a, not that unreasonable in the circumstances that he's in, right? You go, all right, yeah, maybe I would do something this dumb if I was facing this kind of cancer or whatever it was that he had. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it wasn't unbelievably dumb steps. And it's the same thing with Joel. You're going like, oh, he is a murderous bastard. Uh, but um, given the circumstances and what he went through, I can understand that. But yeah, when you get to see just how brutally efficient he is, it can be an eye-opening, eye-opening mm. thing like that. Mm. And you get to see sort of what happened with Ellie before she joins, uh, before she gets stuck with Joel and does the thing. You're like, oh, that's a good scenario too. Um, mm. You can't judge. Okay, this is weird. I'm, I'm sort of contradicting myself. Every episode is good in and of itself, but they also all feed into each other so that by the end of it, you get a much bigger whole whole picture of what's going on. So if you think this episode's a little slow, just know that it's all going to kind of pay off. Mostly it feels like a love story to the video game done by somebody who can make excellent, excellent shows. Hmm. So um, also I would say something that improved my love of the whole thing was there's two podcasts that I listened to around it. Uh, one was the official HBO last of us podcast, which is hosted by the guy who played Joel in the video game, I think. Um, and the TV podcast industry's last of us, uh, coverage. And mm-hmm. between those, I got a lot more sort of, if there was an episode, I felt, well, this episode's a little soft. I could listen to them figure out, Oh no, this is why it was important. And then rewatch it or just think back on it and go, yeah, it makes, makes a whole lot more sense there. And I'm glad that it, it was the way it was. So do you feel like you would not have enjoyed the show as much without those two podcasts? No, I still would have loved it. Um, it it might've been more of an issue of uh, rating this episode as a C plus instead of a B plus or an A, Mm -hmm. you know, and at the end of it, I think all of the episodes when taken as a whole, were all B plus to solid pass. It wasn't just passing grades. All of it was great at the end. So that's yeah. TV podcast industries and HBO last of us podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most important things, though, to talk about when it comes to The Last of Us is when Pedro Pascal was on Saturday Night Live and he did <laughs> the Mario, HBO presents Mario. And <laughs> it's so perfect. Oh, it's so perfect. That was- if you haven't seen it, basically they did a parody of like how they have, con- you know, they converted the last of us from a video game into a really intense show. They do this with Mario with Pedro Pascal and yep. you know, they go up to him and they're like, uh, like, who are you? And he's like, it's a me Mario. Mario. And Pedro Pascal is so good. Cause he can do this like with utter seriousness and a wink in his eye and make it work at the same time. Um, absolutely perfection so much so that people are like when are we going to get our mario show because you now showed me this can be a thing so right but sadly what we're getting is chris pratt's mario instead 
which may still be great. I don't know, but it's it's not uh, grimdark. I never thought I wanted grimdark Mario until I saw that yeah. thing with Pedro Pascal. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, Chris Pratt. Ugh, just get all the money, become another Ryan Reynolds, sell your phone company for $1.35 billion and just remember oh. us fondly when you used to be that guy on two girls in a pizza place or whatever. Yeah. Um, references I don't get, but that's okay. I don't oh, have one to of his very all. first TV shows, it was like uh, two girls, a guy in a pizza place, and he was on that little show. And Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So uh, I think we had another thing that we sort of both watched that we were going to talk about and yes. drive Eric crazy. Hey, Eric, I'm back. <laughs> Welcome to Inappropriate. <laughs> I would like to provide at this point an important disclosure that we are about to talk about sex. Not necessarily an explicit way that's going to make Eric fan himself and start mashing buttons on his computers, but to acknowledge its existence and hopefully consensual relationships. Right. Absolutely. I have to say, though, too, I've been listening to the podcast. My dad wrote a porno, which has been out for a long time. I didn't know about it. But this guy discovered that his dad had written this incredibly horrible, badly written porno uh, novel, erotic literature, called Belinda Blinked. And he and his friends go through it uh, chapter by chapter. It is hysterical. Hysterical because his dad has some very big misunderstandings about certain things. And it's just, I mean, it's hilarious. So that's, um, because that's frightening. Oh, because sometimes the chapters go a little bit too deep into her work in the pots and pans industry as an account manager where you're like, this is not erotic, but you're talking about a pots and pans industry. Now what happened? Oh, it's great. It's great. So anyway, fun little okay. shot. That's up. not what we're talking about. No, today, that's not what we're talking about. Um, now we're talking about, but it is hilarious. And that one definitely is explicit. So, um, but we, we're talking about shows and what we've watched and both of us have watched the show on Netflix, how to build a sex room. I will let yes. you, I will let you set this up for our fine friends at home. <laughs> All right, yeah. So, um, when doing the doom scroll of Netflix, which happens with, uh, well, less frequently now that I have so many services and there's always something I generally want to watch. But um, I saw this show and I was like, well, I have to click on this. This has got my interest. Let's see what it's all about. And what it turns out to be is an incredibly uh, relationship positive and you you explained it to me in a way i think is great i'm going to steal some of your words mm-hmm. um, an incredibly relationship positive show about creating a space in your home and in your life for your partner or partners and yeah or for you to explore beyond what your previous limitations were because it wasn't all oh hey this is somebody that uh um that i have a limited room with and, and it's all not always a home at one point it was like a little mini RV bus kind of thing that was kind of cool. Um, right. And, and so, yeah, go ahead. So this woman was in, uh, the woman who's uh, the, the interior decorator on the show. She was working with all these high end clients, bathrooms, kitchens, just, you know, she said stuff I can do in my sleep. 
And then one of her clients asked her to build a sex room and she was curious. And so she didn't really know much about it, but she did it. And now that's basically her entire career, her entire portfolio now is doing this for other people. And I think what was so interesting, because there is that component where they talk about what exactly people are interested in. I think one of the things, you know, as you know, and most people are couples, not all. But in general, mostly couples. And so what people are interested in and what their tastes are. And then she gives them kind of like like introductions to next level kind of thing. If you enjoy this, maybe you will also enjoy this because that does inform the design of the rooms, the types of toys and things inside the rooms, that sort of thing. But again, that's not really what's what it's about. It's we have, if you think about in your home, what your spaces are, we have living rooms, kitchens, bathrooms, etc. And even when it comes into the bedroom, the bedroom isn't just, you know, a place for couples to sleep and that's it. You have laundry, you have televisions, um, you can have a home office, you can have all kinds of things, even in the space that you and your partner share. And what's mm-hmm. interesting is for most couples, this wasn't their bedroom, though sometimes it had to be their bedroom because that's the space that they had. But right. to create a room in their space that when a couple is in there together, it is a space for them to be solely focused on each other, solely focused on their intimacy, on their relationship. And like, that's it you know, to literally separate themselves from like basically the real world and to enter that space where they can be together, connect together, spend time together, you know, yes. in all the different ways that it was. And I thought that's so incredibly important that we usually, you know, like when it comes to like the focus that we have on the people in our lives and especially on relationships, it's really easy for like all the clutter on the floor to kind of get in your head and, you know, all these other things. But how much do we really spend when we're in a committed relationship with someone to just be focused on that commitment, just be focused on that intimacy together? And I thought it was really interesting. And especially with how the design of all the different rooms were, it, it's not like a one size fits all approach. I mean, taking what really matters to a couple into account when it comes to the design. Yes. And <laughs> she shows them all the same selection of toys. If you go through her purse, if you were to ask me what was in this lady's purse, and I'm sorry, I don't know what her name is. I could tell you what she carries in her purse at all times because she pulls out the same five toys to show each couple or each mm-hmm. group of people. Um, but yes, once you get down to the final, once you've been through the whole series, you get to see, mm-hmm. uh, here's some of the design aesthetic choices that are, are sort of the way that she's building these rooms. And you can say, here's the ones where, or the elements that she really took into account their specific needs or situation or whatever. And I think that when she has to stretch herself a bit, that that's where it starts to get more interesting. It's uh, the one that was in the basement that you couldn't hardly get down into the basement and you had mm-hmm. to uh, break things you know, down into poles to basically send them through that little hole in the window. They're mm-hmm. like, well, that's, that's an exciting one or something <laughs> like that. And, and, and there are, are just sort of seeing her really have to come to terms with this partner is very resistant to this kind of activity that the other person is interested in. And then where they sort of come to a, well, just because you've got this limitations on what you're finding engaging and the other person's 
interested in that we can find you a middle ground. We can find a spot where you can still connect. And some of them were like couples therapy sessions almost as part of the thing. And uh, that was like, this is not where I expected this to go. What I expected was like in the first couple of episodes where they have sort of relatively pert and perky eye candy going through the pretense of we're going to, we're going to learn how about, about these strange interests, the diverse interests. Um, And what it turns into is an amazing survey of different lifestyles, different stages in life. It's like uh, a divorcee who's not actually in, you know, involved with a single person who thinks that she's particularly um, open-minded. And then you hit some of her preconceived, Oh, I don't want this. I don't want something that buzzes and or vibrates, you know, or whatever. And then you go to the store and they learn about learning about their body and what might actually be beneficial to them or what they might be interested in to, Hey, we've got seven people who are all sort of together on this journey at once. And you're like, this is an unexpected. Sometimes you feel like um, a a diversity checklist is, (laughs) is, is bad for a story because you're like, I feel like we've had to shoehorn all these interests. In this case, what I feel like it is, is it was an amazing showcase of, all of these different elements and how this show can be relevant to everyone. I think that it worked spectacularly well, if you're going to allow yourself to, to engage on those levels. Yeah. I think there has to be obviously when it comes to, you know, the sexy stuff, I mean, you can't have a show on Netflix called how to build a sex room and say, but really it's about relationships and we're not going to get, go there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they go there, right? This is a show for adults. Oh, absolutely! A show for adults. Yeah, yeah. And there's a they, yeah. There was um there was an episode where they wanted their uh th- this this couple wanted their sex room, so they put it in their basement with like behind a, a bookshelf door that oh the kids will never discover this. <laughs> I don't know if you understand how kids work, but you better have locks. Yeah, I was gonna say that is not how kids work. Yes. Yeah, that is not how kids work. But then there was one married couple uh that were talking about some of their relationship issues, like while their daughter was right behind them and then they had a, a stripper pole put into the bedroom. So like they're, they're not necessarily hiding that part either, you know? So that's a whole, and, and that's, I think interesting too, where it's like, huh, you know, okay. That's or this, a, that's- this other couple that had a whole building built next to their house so that they could get away mm-hmm. from their kids for, you know, an hour or two of, of not being around right. surrounded by kids, you know? Right. I mean, there. I, I think there are fake windows there because otherwise, you know, again, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> little curious um, minds, you know. So I think uh, a lot of times when people don't do things because of kids, it, it usually does mean in some ways like putting their relationships on the back burner. And so I think claiming that space and just understanding that this is maybe a conversation that you'll have to have with kids, you know, that's a ch- people make choices, you know, and right. may, you may not agree, but people make choices. Yeah, I mean, and I and I think one thing too is in talking with my partner about it, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to be moving in together in August when I go back to the States. And just the idea of what is the space that we have that, you know, is important for our relationship. Like, you know, I mean, not even getting into like the stuff, but, you know, to basically like when we're in this space together, we are focused on each other. And I think that's so it's just it's just a shift over it's just a shift over david harbour who he's the actor who plays the sheriff on 
uh, what's the show? Stranger uh, Things. Stranger oh. Things. Yes, everybody loves that show. Uh, he's married to Lily Allen, the British singer. And that was a bit of uh-huh. a surprise. I fell into a yeah. YouTube rabbit hole where they had like architectural digest goes on a tour of their like amazing Brooklyn townhouse. I mean, come on. Uh, beautiful wallpaper. They had a sauna and a cold plunge tub in the backyard. You know, things that all of us just have. But their bedroom was very simple. It was literally the bed, two nightstands, interior room, pocket doors. And it's like, that's it. That's all we want in this space. This is a space just for us, for our relationship. No other distractions, you know, and it's that mm-hmm. same kind of idea. So, I mean, especially I am <laughs> you know, in Romania and then moving, you know, back to the U.S. and then into and with uh in with my partner. So that's a big jump, yes. <laughs> you know, seeing yes. each other a few times a year to a big jump. So obviously in terms of like creating intentional spaces for relationships, there is a reason why that is on my mind. Um, I, so, I, I, I can't imagine why. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, he's great. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but um, I just think we, we, we just assume because we have a house together with somebody, an apartment together, that that's a space for us, for our relationship. But so many times those other spaces get in the way. And I just think yeah. it's an interesting way to think about how do you create a space that actually makes the way that doesn't get in the way. So there you go. Well, okay. So a couple of things sort of back on the show is the yeah. host's name. She is Melanie Rose. Okay. And she's got an interesting Instagram, which I just discovered. Um, but uh, yeah. So a couple of things about the, sort of the production of the show. It, it has, you know, sort of trading spaces. Hey, we're, we're going to do a thing. Do we have the confidence of the, you know, of the homeowner's vibe to it? Right. Is, is, mm-hmm. is that sort of thing? I guess more of a property brothers thing. I don't know, but um, that there are moments of levity that are completely, um, I don't know if they're staged or not or whatever, but it's like, there's going to be um, some flogging on the front porch of someone's house, uh, you know, or something like that. Is you're like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, do we want to do this in the neighborhood? Uh, and the chemistry between her and her carpenter or builder or contractor, I don't know mm-hmm. these words, um, is fun, right? They've got a nice, mm-hmm. a nice friendship that's going on. And you can tell when uh, he is falsely putting on the, you're going to make me do what? How are you going to do this? Right, uh, And it's like, obviously he had full buy-in on all of this before they started. Uh, yeah. and I would say so- that those, their interactions were my least favorite because those were the most performative, I thought, you know? Um, but that said, you know, uh, uh, I mean, they're, they're going to have to spend time on the show showing the build happen. So the builder has to be a character too. You you are correct about that, but um, I I think that you have to have something that kind of relationship to sort of break up some of the other stuff that's going on on the show, mm-hmm. um, like a breather, a little comic relief, uh, and and it it is a little it is a little stilted, awkward, or like you said, a little performative at times. But but by and large, I like it. And when his son is there, and he's like, "Mom's going to not be excited by this," you're like. I don't think that part was staged. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that, I, I agree. Cause I was like, this is, this is definitely a little, yeah. When they're demonstrating sex toys with each other and the one guy is married. Yeah. It's a sex toy. We don't, we yeah, don't right. call it a boss employee toy. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Um, and so I like it. It is, 
I mean, take it in and what it is. If you just want to see them making uh, some some sensual and or kinky and or you know lightly it's, sexual it's, rooms, you're going to enjoy the heck out of it. Uh, if you are looking for ooh high art and incredibly well produced television, then you shouldn't be watching a home improvement show. Um, <laughs> but I do think too, I will say one other thing that I think is a value on this is when you talked about how this can be couples therapy for some in terms mm. of really what is it that you're wanting and getting couples to be open about what they're really interested in, what they really want to explore. Um, I think this could be a good show for couples watching to kind of use mm-hmm. this as a way to open that door. Like, oh, honey, what'd you think about that? Hey, what if we brought right. the neighbors over sometime? You never know. You never know. Sorry, Eric. Right. And it, and, it, and you get to see it in a, in a sort of in a non-judgmental setting, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, the host, host of the show, she's very supportive, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Very rarely does she look scandalized in, in the entire thing. And even then it seems like, oh, she's, you know, vamping for the camera a little bit. Right, um, right. But by and large, it is, yes, you have these issues there. It's a reasonable, it's not unreasonable for you to have that concern, whether or not the concern is reasonable, right? It's a great way to also see how do you talk about these things, you know, whether mm-hmm. or not you're interested in them. So, yeah. Thumbs up. It was a fun little, yeah, total little surprise of a show. Yep. Yes. I would agree. <laughs> All right. Well, we have talked for two people as long as we usually talk for three people. So I'm going to wrap this up so I can go find something else interesting to talk about next time. Okay. But last time, Kathleen Mercury, can you let us know one last time for this episode? We're going to have her yeah. back, I promise, if she'll if she'll join us. Uh, I would love to. Where can you be found on the wilds of the internet? You can find me at my website, KathleenMercury.com, where I share all of my game design resources for free. I had a mm-hmm. fun little thing happen where a parent – of um, a a student at my school. We got into contact through his wife who works at the school and about getting together because they're gamers. And when his, when his wife who told him, Oh, there's this woman at our school, Kathy Mercury, she's a gamer. He said, Oh, I know of her because the U S army war college uses my materials. And so he was aware (laughs) of me because of that. Uh, Yeah. uh. And also, uh, Norway's War College does too. So when Norway takes over the world, you're welcome, everyone. You are welcome. Well, I mean, of of the many choices of places to have take over the world, you know, Mm -hmm. Norway's pretty high on the list for me to choose from. Oh, right. Right, right. Oh, my God. No, it's fantastic. Um, You can find me online at Mercury with seven M's on Twitter and on Board Game Geek, I'm at Funk Donut. I think I might switch my name over. I think I might see if I can. I don't know how that works. Yeah, maybe time. Maybe time. Maybe time. At right. Mercury Seven M's. Wonderful, and I, I'm still Donald Dennis. Once again, all over the wilds of the internet as Walsfio. Head on over to InverseGenius.com and find out about this show and about our onboard game show, which is where we cover all of our tabletop gaming stuff. Uh, and uh, I think that's all we've got going on right now. So um, Kathleen, thank you for joining me. It's been a delight. I'm so glad. And I look forward when I live in a much more hospitable time zone to do this more often. Absolutely. All right. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Have fun. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.